0: Good morning, I'm Anna Palmer. And I'm Jake Sherman. And welcome to The Daily Punch, brought to you by Punchbowl News. It's Monday, November 8th, 2021. Let's get into the mix. Here are your Washington headlines of the day. Number one, we've got the latest from the canvas on who really is the most important leader on Capitol Hill. Number two, J. Martin Burns are out with a new book. And number three, The Biden Agenda, what to look for in the CBO report. All right, Jake. We are out once again with our monthly anonymous survey of Capitol Hill staff, the canvas, which we do uh, in conjunction with the Locust Street Group. And we're going to be rolling out tidbits all week from this month's survey. But this morning's uh, item in Punchbowl News AM really caught my eye when uh, we asked the question who people believe, who these staffers believe are the most powerful congressional leader?"
1: Yeah, this is an interesting one. It Caught my eye too and we're going to be rolling this out throughout the week. Um every day in um uh from now on from our in our afternoon and evening editions. Um so, uh the most powerful uh congressional leader we asked and here's the quote. Who pe- if we ask people to put their party preference aside and um register who they believe Currently holds the most power and influence in D.C. No surprise here, Nancy Pelosi, uh, with f- uh, 60% of the people said it was Pelosi. 74% of Democrats and 45% of Republicans. Uh, obviously, Pelosi has probably less power than she used to because she only has a couple seat majority. But clearly, the most the most powerful uh, uh, congressional leader in D.C. I think most people would would agree with that. Coming in second was Mitch McConnell uh, with 28%. Uh, McConnell, quite obviously, because of the filibuster and because of Republicans' uh, unusual sense of party unity, McConnell is powerful. Um, here's a shocker, though, Anna. In third place was other. Now <laughs>
0: I'm not sure. Maybe they were uh, talking about you. Who knows? Maybe, I, I'm not
1: right. Maybe it's talking about uh, the Punch Bowl News leadership. Um, but we know who has the most power there. Um, <laughs> what do you think? I mean, other is pretty, that's pretty bad.
0: Well, it's pretty stark. If you're uh, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, who comes in in fourth place with only six percent, eight percent of Democrats named Schumer and five percent of Republicans. And the real the real stinger here this morning has to be for House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy zero percent, not one person thought he was the most powerful congressional leader the for the future uh, speaker- in-waiting uh those are some those are some tough numbers for Schumer and both McCarthy
1: I'm not surprised by McCarthy uh he literally does not have power <laughs> since he's just a he's just a um uh you know whatever he's just a, the minority leader in the house um but I uh, uh I was a bit surprised by the other over over Schumer Um not sure I agree with that, but anyway, you're not pol- We're not polling me. We're polling. <laughs> we're polling congressional uh, top congressional aides. So that's that.
0: All right. Let's move on to the number two story of the morning. Some good friends of ours, Jonathan Martin and Alex Burns of the New York Times, are coming out with a new book. It is entitled
1: "This Will Not Pass: Trump,
0: Biden, and the Battle for American Democracy." It will be out May third.
1: Yeah, uh, we've seen, uh, we've all known Burns and uh, uh, Jonathan Martin for a long time. Uh, they worked with us at Politico, and now they're at the New York Times. Um, so this is a this is going to be a this is part of you know a, a raft of books coming out about um, kind of the transition between Biden and and um, Trump. And I I think that this is going to be a, a good one. We've seen J Mart on the Hill a lot in recent months, which uh, alarmed us. But he's been a, a, an, a he's been a, a welcome addition to the Capitol Hill re- reporting crew. Um, book out May third, so in a couple months, um, and uh, looking forward to this one.
0: All right, and the number three story of the morning, of course. The Biden agenda. What to look for in the CBO report. Obviously, last week was very dramatic. A lot of twists and turns and late nights. We put out a midnight edition uh, for our premium uh, readers about all of the action at the end of the week in the final passage of the infrastructure bill and the rule for Biden's Build Back Better act uh and last week the real debate it was interesting to me went from kind of the progressives holding things to really the moderates all of a sudden taking a staking a claim out here that they didn't want to vote for this large you know reconciliation package until they got a cbo score
1: yeah um the uh the, we have a lot of we have a lot of things that we're looking at here um so let's start with this. Nancy Pelosi put out a dear colleague last night. She's becoming quickly known um as uh, just a dear colleague. Uh, the fanatic. power of
0: the she, pen. She's starting to see it just like we do.
1: Jake. She started what's that?
0: Starting to see the power of the pen just like we That's do That's right. I hope
1: she doesn't start her own news outlet. Um so she sent a letter to her Democratic colleagues last night that basically said, um, looking forward to next week. <laughs> it wasn't much more than that. Um, and, uh, I I think that quite frankly, they have a a tough week ahead of them. So next week is when they've decided that they're going to vote on the build back better act. That is the centerpiece of the Biden agenda. Um, it is the social spending package. It is, um, part two of this or part one, depending on how you look at it, of this two step between infrastructure and, um, social spending. So, uh, that presumably, according to people who are involved in this, will give CBO enough time to get their their, um, budgetary analysis out. I'm not sure I believe that. We keep hearing that it's going to come out the week after, which is Thanksgiving. It might come out in pieces next week. But I think two things that I'm kind of watching. How does CBO judge this thing? So if it comes in under budget – um, spending more than it, than it lets out, that is a big problem for, um, for Republican, for Democrats rather. Um, not a, it, it's not, doesn't put the bill in, in, you know, it doesn't mean they're going to have to rewrite it, but frankly, they, they've been saying that this will, um, they've been saying that this p- bill will be paid for. I, I think I'm skeptical that, um, I, I, I think that, the IRS enforcement, which is four hundred billion dollars of revenue, I assume that the um, I assume that uh, that's going to be judged in a different manner by CBO to put it to put it uh, uh, simply. Furthermore, um, what happens if CBO is not ready by next week? Uh, that's a that's a big problem um, because again, these Democrats are not going to vote for a bill without a CBO score.
0: I think the other thing is just this timing thing, right? I mean, if you look at it, right, we're going to have a week now where everybody's back in their districts and kind of thinking through whether or not their own political future coming out of the Virginia and New Jersey gubernatorial um, elections and trying to think about, all right, do they really want to vote for this big package? depending on what CBO happens, as you say, oftentimes where the members uh, kind of numbers come up and where CBO come up are oftentimes in two different places. They don't always line up uh, exactly. And then it's, you know, this kind of longer strategy of, no, even if they do pass this bill, right, if House Democrats and the moderates and the progressives kind of get in line and get behind Pelosi on this. What does that mean when it goes to the Senate? I mean, there's going to be massive changes. You know, ultimately, we all know that this is just kind of the, the a step in a multi-step process that is probably going to be pretty tortured for Democrats.
1: I, I, let's put a like a bow on this, Anna. I think the Democrats are trying to figure out on 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 both on the campaign trail and uh, legislating just what. They are and who they are. (laughs) I think that is kind of that is one of the that is one of the uh, under one of the big kind of um, narratives right now going on on Capitol Hill and across the country with the Democratic Party, especially, as you note, after the after the elections last week.
0: All right. With that, thanks so much for listening. I just want to flag that you can check out a new feature that we are doing this month called The Workforce. It's focusing on profiling key leaders that are focused on workforce issues, the future of uh, kind of how we all are going to be working for the public sector, for the private sector. We so far have profiled Representative Bobby Scott, the Chairman of the House uh, Education Committee, as well as Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo. We have two more profiles coming out you can check that out at punchbowl.news slash the workforce leave us a rating and review for the daily punch you can also subscribe to punchbowl news at punchbowl.news have a great day and stay safe